Hello and welcome to today's episode of Pasha. My name is Ndebe Gomjali. Thank you for joining us. For those who don't know, The Conversation Weekly is a global podcast. It is produced by Mend Mariwani and Gemma Ware, with sound design by Eloise Stevens. Today's episode of Pasha is taken from The Conversation Weekly that looks into romantic comedies. Gemma Ware gets us going. Many of these films are set in Johannesburg, a city that's had a bad and violent reputation. But now a new research paper has looked at the way that these South African rom-coms are portraying Joburg in a different light. So I called up the researcher to find out more. My name is Pierpaolo Frasinelli. I'm a professor of communication and media studies at the University of Johannesburg in South Africa. And I'm also a visiting professor at the Johannesburg Institute for Advanced Studies. In the last few years, I've started working on a project on African cinemas. I'm not a specialist in African cinemas, but I've always been interested in film and I've developed over the years a, a love affair with the, the history of African cinemas, its genres, its different filmmakers and so on. And this is what I'm working on now. We're talking to you today about a particular type of genre, aren't we? So explain it to us. What I'm interested in is post-apartheid uh, South African cinema and there are different histories to this cinema and you have a number of films which address social, political issues to do with the transition to uh, democracy. We, we, these were socially engaged films that probably dominated the period of the 1990s and the early 2000s. But in the last 10 years, at least, there's been a turn in African cinema on genre film. There have been... Uh, Noir films, there have been gangster films in District 9. The whole world is watching. The course of human history has changed today. The ship appears to be stopping over Johannesburg City. Neil Blomkamp's science fiction movie, it is represented as a dystopian space. In the new South Africa, you can go a long way with a smile. You can go much further with a smile and a gun. It has been represented in Jerusalem as a gritty space ripe with crime and so on. And around 2015 and 2016, there were a number of very successful romantic comedies that were produced and that were shot in Johannesburg. And my piece looks at these romantic comedies. These were comedies that were done by black directors and decided to turn to more commercial cinema to deliberately target uh, broader audiences. And my piece looks at what these films do. Now, I am fully aware that I'm not members of the target audience. I started looking at this film with some detachment, trying to look at what these films do in terms of representing contemporary South Africa, contemporary class and cultural formations, and specifically how they represent Johannesburg, which is the city where all these romantic comedies are set. So you resonated with a piece of the conversation, but it was based on a research paper that you've recently published, which looked at a couple of different films, right? Could you explain what those films were? The piece for the conversation is based on an article that I published in a journal called uh, Social Dynamics, and it is titled Jobo Without Jobo, the Black South African Rom-Com. In this piece, I look at three romantic comedies, which are Tommy's with Something, Mrs. Right Guy, and Happiness is a Four-Letter World. And what interested me is how this romantic comedy redefines and reimagines the city. So for someone who hasn't seen these films, can I ask you to just briefly explain what happens? What, what's the story? The three films, to 
characters meet, uh, have some difficulties, fall in love, and then they end up together. And the romantic comedy is, of course, about the journey that leads to overcoming the obstacles and difficulties the two characters encounter. This is the uh, story of Tell Me Sweet Something. I was writing the great African love story. Then my boyfriend at the time left me. I just don't think I found the right guy yet. You need to get out, meet someone. When you have two characters who meet in Maboneng, which is a gentrified downtown urban area. Uh, he's a model, she's an aspirant writer. They slowly fall in love with each other, notwithstanding her doubts about his suitability because as a model is not a good match for an aspirant writer. Models are known to not be the strongest intellectuals and so on. In Mrs. Right Guy. I knew that men were dogs. All of them. I've got a few questions for you before you propose to her. Propose. What's the first thing you thought when you met her? You have uh, Google, the main character who works in a firm. She's torn between a career and a personal life. It starts with the failed uh, love story. She has an affair with her boss. It doesn't work out. And then she finds Mrs. Vagai, someone who is external to the corporate culture she's become part of. And happiness is a fool at the world. I met someone, another toy boy, let me guess, a model, a rapper. No, actually, he's an artist. And deep. Three very rich, very successful women who struggle with uh, finding happiness and love and a balanced life between career and romantic uh, fulfillment. What did they tell us about the way South Africans might view their city? These are all films directed by uh, black directors, which is not to be taken for granted in South Africa, where the film industry is very slowly transforming. And they try to present an aspirational view of Jobo because it's a city that is a middle-class and upper-class space from uh, spas to certain kinds of cafes. They seem to be part of a global trend to imagine cities from the global south, such as Johannesburg, as global cities, cities that embody a global urban dimension rather than a marginal uh, southern uh, dimension. And my argument is that even though the films try to present a certain image of upper middle class Johannesburg, the films cannot quite push away the tensions, the contradictions, the complexities of the city. They try to represent a global city, but at the same time you have characters saying, I am not a creature of middle and upper classness, I have a background which is more complex than that. And these, I think, are the contradictions that are thrown up by the films. They are not simply films that celebrate consumerism and affluent lifestyles. These are films that make us think in complex terms about the multifaceted natures of contemporary Johannesburg, seen through a specific kind of black gaze. This is not the Johannesburg that all see in the same way. Who are they making these films for? Who are they aimed at? In Akino Motoso, in an interview, says uh, our purpose was to do the kind of film that had not been done, the kind of film that black audiences want to see. And it was, in a way, uh, do films for black audiences that celebrate love, that celebrate uh, romantic uh, engagement, that celebrate everyday life as uh, possibilities for pleasure, desire, uh, expression of sexuality, and so on. And, and this is something on which the three directors are all clear. We are doing these films because we want to give something pleasurable, something entertaining to black audiences who have not been sufficiently taken care of by the film industry 
Next, Gemma and Pierre look into Netflix and whether this type of content has a place on the platform. I know Netflix in the African continent is not a huge player, particularly because of the cost of data streaming, etc. But are these films, are they aimed at that kind of audience who are streaming? No, I bought all of them on DVDs. When they came out, Netflix had just arrived in South Africa. Netflix arrived in 2016 and is growing, but it's not growing fast. Free-to-air television is still the privileged mode of access to audiovisual content in South Africa. But what I suggest is that it is not a coincidence that these two things happen at the same time. There's this new genre that arrives on the scene and you have the arrival of Netflix and in South Africa also Showmax. And that creates a space for this genre to succeed in in that area. And I argue that the African rom-com is eminently suitable for these new forms of distribution. And we have the example of new knowledgeable films such as um, The Wedding Party 1 and 2 which are available on Netflix and there were huge successes through uh, Netflix. So it seems clear to me that this new genre is eminently suitable for the kind of consumption of material you have on uh, Netflix. These types of films cash in on the aesthetics of an African global city. They remind us of the city's social conflicts and socioeconomic inequalities. They do this in their storylines as well as their images. They also seem like a perfect fit for the streaming market. Thank you for tuning into this episode produced by Mind Mariwani, Gemma Weh, Elubi Stevens, and a contribution by Ozead Patel. From me, Mindebe Gomjali, talk to you soon. Bye.